Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Pastor Clark Covington here with another episode of KJV Cafe. Man, it's good to be here today. Oh, Lord is blessing. I'm excited to jump into Genesis 1 as we study the Bible. If you haven't already, tell your friends. KJV Cafe, you can find us on YouTube. We have every episode literally posted there every day. Just search up KJV Cafe on YouTube. Uh, or their favorite podcast app. You can subscribe, and hopefully everything is coming through clear here in Season 2. We also have a companion podcast called KJV Cafe Weekend Edition, which is a 30-minute message coming on Fridays and Saturdays. You can look that up on the podcast app as well or on YouTube as well. Okay, that's my little plug there. And I mentioned share, tell a friend, because that is typically how people find out about us word of mouth, or maybe they're searching. I don't know. It's all God. So thank you so much. All right, here we go. Going into the Bible on uh, tackling these first five verses of Genesis 1. And we're going to get to Genesis uh, 1-6, at least 1-6 today, but touching on 1-5 one more time. Uh, And God called the light day and darkness he called night and the evening and morning were the first day. Well, think about that. We mentioned here at the end of the last episode that God created the light. He created darkness. He labeled or named the light day. He named the darkness night, okay? And he did it just for this season. And I was able to prove that to you through God's word by showing in heaven there is no darkness, which means there's only light, which means we're not going to have the same kind of days that we have here. I do believe there is some... um, way to keep track in heaven of what's going on because God's perfect. He knows all things. And because of in the old Testament, all of the different celebrations, the Israelites were commanded to keep and not just celebrations, but solemn feasts, all these things, the Israelites were commanded to keep and they still do keep growing up in the South. You don't see as much of it, but I I grew up in the North. Uh, Yeah. I don't like to tell people that. (laughs) I mean, I don't like to tell people down South that because they look at you funny, but, um, up north, I'm, I'm happy to tell people that. But uh, I grew up up north, and we had all kinds of Jewish holidays. And I think my brother told me one time there were more Jews living in New York than anywhere else but Israel. I think at that time, maybe something like that. Don't quote me on it. But there was a large uh, Jewish population and a, and a fair bit of Orthodox uh, Jewish folks living there. And we would have a lot of holidays as a child in public school living near New York City. We'd have a lot of holidays that were... Uh, for these different um, Jewish um, feasts and so forth uh, and celebrations. And I didn't think much of it, not knowing anything about it, being quite ignorant to it, honestly. I enjoyed the holiday. uh, But you know what I, I realized afterwards as I read God's word and I see that whether it's God or Moses, whoever it may be, commanding the Israelites to keep these certain um, celebrations and certain feasts, forever. You know what I realize, whether it's Rosh Hashanah, Passover, Yom Kippur, I don't know, all of them, right? What I realize, they're still happening today. God's word is still being fulfilled. There is a group of people out there that still are doing what God called them to do. And 
it doesn't say in this earthly time. It's like the words the is the words are like forever, right? You'll keep this forever. I'm going to go find it. Hold on. I'm going to go find that verse. Okay. I found it. Didn't take me long. You know, magic of uh, editing, I guess, or whatever. But here it is. Exodus 12, 14. Exodus 12, 14. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Forever. I mean, that's pretty clear. And God don't play. His word never returns void. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't mince words. He could have said for your lives, okay? He said forever. So I believe there will be some form of time in heaven to keep these memorials. But time as we know it won't be there. Darkness as we we know it won't be there. Praise God for that. But when we look at time and the scope of time, and I'm just touching on this quickly here, but I, I wanted to get to a little bit more than I was able to last episode. When we look at time and the scope of time, we see that it's a, a tool that's very useful, right? And I, I kind of came upon thinking about this a little bit when I was teaching uh, our homeschool kids, I think it was last year, about the idea of times and calendars and so forth. And I was like, man, this is pretty, you know, if you really think about it, it's pretty interesting, you know, the importance of time and date keeping and calendars and seasons and they how they all interconnect. It's really interesting and it's really brilliant in my mind. And now with the age of technology, You know, computers aren't good at everything, but they are good at calling back or responding to requests. So computers are excellent at like when you send a request, they can give you the, you know, the response, you know, and usually very quickly. Right. And so go in your phone, you say, uh, show me January 2021 and it'll it'll pop it up quite quick, you know, in the photo database or whatever you have documents and so forth. And so you can look and see what you were doing, how you were doing and so forth, whether you're looking on your phone, maybe you have a journal and you've written uh, the date in the journal. You can go back and open that journal up. Uh, Maybe you saved a letter from a certain date, whatever it may be. You can go back in time and this time that God created, not only literally, but he also created a way to track time and you can see what's going on in your life. Now, what does that mean for the born-again believer? It means that you can praise God for what he has done in your life. You know, you can look back at a certain time when maybe you were afraid or you had an issue that you couldn't overcome, you didn't think you could overcome, and God got you through it. And God not only got you through it, but he prospered you and he blessed you and he helped you and he healed you, whatever it may be. And you say, wow, look what God did. And that's a lot easier to do with this idea of time. So the creator of time also gave us a way to keep it, to understand it. And I think that's beautiful. And we owe God a a heap of praise for that. Amen. Because, and you'll hear preachers say this, and I don't blame them for just going on to the next point, but they'll just say, look back on what God's done for you and praise him. And they'll go right on to the next point. But obviously, if you really want to sit there and chew on that, you can really dig deep into that idea of looking back on what God's done for you and looking back at time. I mean, Time is a natural reminder, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on after this, I promise, but like thinking of my wife having surgery on her thyroid, uh, not this past December, but the one before, and here we are in January, so it's just a little over a year ago, and so December comes, and we say, hey, you know, that's when you had your surgery, that's when they had to take your whole thyroid out, that's when we were really concerned, and you had, you know, the inpatient, you know, treatment, you're there, and all this stuff. We look at time, because we know, hey, it's like a reminder. 
And then we look now and say, wow, look what God did. He healed you and he helped you and he gave you a, another day and he gave you another year and he gave you a new outlook on things and all of these healthy habits and so forth. And we give God the praise and we do it through the lens or the scope or the context of time. And so it's just such a beautiful thing that God created. Now here, verse 6, I promise we get to it, Genesis 1-6. We're going to get through this Bible. Don't worry about it. Genesis 1-6, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. So now we're tackling this idea of firmament. What is a firmament? You know, that's something that a lot of people are curious about. That's certainly a Bible word if I ever saw one. And guess what? I've got the definition here. Firmament, the region of the air, the sky or heavens. In scripture, the word denotes an expanse, a wide extent, for such is the signification of the Hebrew word coinciding with rejo or region or reach. The original, therefore, does not convey the sense of solidity, but of stretching, extension, the great arch or expanse over our heads in which are placed the atmosphere and the clouds and in which the stars appear to be placed and are really seen. So we see this firmament. It's fascinating to look at because God actually has an order to that. Amen. The firmament, if we look at the expanse, and that's what it looks like, doesn't it? The sky doesn't, you know, you draw a sky, it's kind of a line, right? But in actuality, you know, a lot of times when you look up at the sky, it's more like a dome or like a large arch, right? It's not really, I mean, especially here, uh, in Kings Mountain, you know, we go outside at night and there's not a street light on. It's dark. We're kind of, we live somewhat like on an old farm, so to speak. And there's houses. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like a farm anymore, but you get out there at night and it's the sky's arching over, you know, it's, it's kind of domed. It's, it's incredible. That is this idea of the expanse or the ferment. And God has a very important thing that he shows us through that, which we're going to get to right after we take this break. So hang right in there. You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, so what is this firmament? It's singular. It's a space that divides the waters from above and, and from below in, in Genesis 1-6. What do we see in the firmament? We see the sun, the moon, the stars. It's what we see when we look up. So the natural word would be like sky right? And, and we see that as this is mentioned in Genesis 1, 6, and God made the ferment and divided the waters which were under the ferment from the waters which were above the ferment, and it was so. So we see here a mention of waters, not just under, okay? So if we think of waters under the sky, you may say, well, sure, the lake, the ocean, the river, whatever. When you think of waters above the sky, you say, wait, what? Right? Uh, a friend of mine just mentioned that they might have found water on a planet and it was frozen or something, but they, they think they saw it or whatever it was. Yes, water was above the sky as we know it, amen, and God divided it. And you can read a lot of really interesting, con um, I won't say commentaries, but almost just um, philosophies about what, what that could mean and what the way things were and how God was creating. And we also know that there was waters there before the earth was formed. And so we know water is a big deal and very involved here. And waters above seems to indicate a sea of some kind on the edge of space near heaven. Waters below would mean our oceans and subterranean waters 
like when we dig a well. So I want you to think about the three heavens, okay? Three heavens that we understand here in the Bible. And that's what we're going to try to tackle here in the, in the few minutes that we have left. We see that our, our sky, where birds fly, clouds are, that is the first heaven, amen? That is the first heaven. And the second heaven would be stars, space as we know it. And so has, has man been to the first heaven? Yeah, yeah, they have. They've, you know, if you've flown on a plane, you've been up there. Um, you know, you, when you fly on a plane, sometimes you actually fly through clouds, okay? So you're there if you're on a plane or so forth. Uh, heck, I guess if you're climbing a mountain, you might be, consider yourself to be up in the sky. The second heaven would be space, stars, moon, sun. Has man been there? Yes, right? Man's traveled to space, amen, put satellites up there, gone to the moon, etc. Man's been to space. The third heaven, as we understand it, is where God resides, amen. And the third heaven, as we understand it, is above space. So those are the three heavens, as we understand it. I've got a a, uh, commentary here from Gaines R. Johnson on Genesis and geology. That's a good one. Uh, from kjvbible.org. The third heaven is above the this upper sea, and this higher sea is below the throne of God. Okay, and so Revelation 4, 6 says, And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like under crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So this particular sea is above the firmament, the, the physical universe that we understand, and it represents a firm and impassable barrier between the world of man below and the world of God above, right? Like nobody is like, oh, I'm in a rocket ship and I'm just going to about to hit God's, you know, third heaven. And oh, there's that crystal sea. You're not hitting it, man. Like you're not going to get there. You look at the distance in, in the space and you can see that it's, it's impassable for man's lifetime. Okay. So this is how we understand it. Um, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible to think of. John 8, 22 through 23, then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he has said, whether I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Yea, ye are of this world, I am not of this world. And Christ is not of this world. We know that Christ, the ascended Lord, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, those that have been saved, is at the right hand of the Father. And that's all the time we have for today. Please tune in next time as we dig deeper into Genesis 1. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow, same time, same place.